Today's conversation is on international trade, how to get started. Thank you for joining us today on the Workforce Show. I'm your host, Cindy Gern, and I am here with Hugo Vasquez, who is a senior, I guess, senior VP of Global IT Solutions. Welcome, Hugo, and correct me if I gave you the wrong title. No, you are absolutely right. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm pleased to be with you today. Well, I appreciate it because... Uh, Hugo is going to be uh, discussing with us uh, uh, some of the issues uh, around international trade. And if you're a small business or a medium-sized business or any business or somebody in that field who who is uh, interested in exploring options for, for expanding your market, your business internationally, Hugo is the person who can provide us some guiding light uh, to in that direction. Hugo has uh, is currently working with AES Corporation, which is a global company, and it has a lot of divisions, uh, including energy, environment, construction. What else? I mean, there are like 10 different areas that your company... Yes, actually, we, we divide our, our activities in six different business units, uh, Asia, EMEA, that is uh, Europe and Africa, North America, uh, MCAC, that is Mexico, Central American, and Caribbean, Brazil by itself, and, and Andes, that is our uh, businesses in Latin America, including Brazil, uh, Argentina, Chile, and Colombia. So uh, since, we can't co- since we can't cover the entire globe today, uh, we're going to get an overview, but, but drill down somewhat into South America, Latin America, which is your area. Of expert er, your geographic area of expertise is that correct? That's right. Um, maybe um, more than seventy percent of our businesses are generated um, in, in the Americas. That um, is mainly our focus of um, strategy, and um, we are really confident that uh, we are in the in the, in the right track uh, following our strategy. So, are you saying that the Americas, uh, by Americas, I'm North America, South America, Latin America, are those the three Americas? Yes, that's right. But those Americas are also broken up into different geographic points of influence or, or economic influence, and I, I know we're going to talk about that. But um, in technology, does technology, the work that you do in technology, does that cut across all of the subspecialties that your company is engaged in, as I mentioned earlier, environment and energy? Et cetera. What exactly does technology? How does that technology fit into your organization's uh, structure? Yes. Well, actually, um, technology is a key element because um, we use technology to support the key main processes of our corporation. So um, it's amazing how you can see different economics, different cultures uh, using the same technology that uh, can be um, developed here in North America or in Central America or in Latin America, but mm-hmm. um, looking always for a global uh, solution means that uh, whatever is implementing uh, in any of these places uh, as a north, as a, as a strategy, have to be uh, able to be uh, implemented somewhere else and used for, for the whole corporation. So it's, it's really interesting, the whole process, 
where we can we are joining cultures and economies in order to find out technological solutions that can please the whole corporation. And that is a huge challenge. It's a it's like the number one priority. If it, if we have a global economy, if one country can't talk to another and can't have an infrastructure to support that, there it, it makes it a mute point. Correct. That's right. Actually, is um, when you mention global economy, is is exactly right because uh, anyway, 70% of our businesses are in the Americas. It's amazing how, for example, this, this acceleration that we are seeing right now in China is affecting Chile. Chile is a huge producer of, of, of copper, and uh, China is the one that is, the, is one of the, the biggest uh, um, consumer. But uh, in the desaceleration process, of course, China is buying less copper, and Chile is feeling the, 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 the effects. And when Chile, as a country, is feeling the effect, uh, the whole co the whole country is is reducing their budgets and affecting the rest of the businesses. Uh, so mm -hmm. is um, it's amazing how we depend each other. It's amazing how the global economy is here to tell us that uh, when everybody is okay, means that it's going to be good for everybody. <coughs> but uh, when when somebody's not so well. Is going to be affecting the rest of the of the members of the economy. Well, that cough was not planned, by the way, listeners. That was totally unscripted. Right. Okay, <laughs> but, good to know. But, <laughs> but that was. But it's a. But that is a. The economic perspective, the global economic perspective, is a, a special uh, lens to look through when you're looking at that. Your lens, though, uh, as well, is a kind of like. You're on the ground floor and you're watching all these players, the economic players, the businesses that are coming back and forth, the government policy, tariffs, trade agreements, et cetera. And uh, you're having to assimilate all of the dynamics of a national and global and regional business into some technology framework that allows all these uh, pieces to come together so that if Chile is manufacturing, uh, producing um, their product, uh, you said it's the consumer, and China is the consumer, it's not like I'm just going to load my ship up and send it off to China. I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of uh, regulations, I have a lot of processes, supply chain processes, all of these to manage. And so if I'm correct, you're, you're the person that's on the ground. <laughs> You're making sure this this stuff flows, right? That, that's right. And uh, you know, I have a hundred of different examples. As uh, when um, the 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 Federal Reserve decided to stop providing, you know, support to increase the U.S. economy, immediately was affected the cost of the dollars in the emergence countries. So now, for some of those countries, getting a dollar is more expensive than before. So, you know, we are dealing with all these different uh, key drivers, and uh, mm -hmm. it's important to, to have this global understanding of the global economy, just to mm -hmm. be sure that whatever you are investing, including, of course, technology, you, you, you are doing the right thing. And maybe the most important part is to think that this kind of investment, especially in technology, is, 
is needed to be in a long run. I mean, if somebody thinking that it's going to be just a, a short-term uh, initiative, uh, I think is, is, is wasting their time. You have to think in the long run. That is interesting that you even raise that because I recently interviewed a couple of people that uh, listeners can, can hear the interview on our SoundCloud.com, the Workforce Show, uh, on uh, technology transfer. And you know our federal government, the U.S. federal government, uh, has estimated 140 billion dollars a year goes into basic research. But going from basic research in the laboratory to actually having a company like Google, which is the beneficiary of that, isn't an overnight sensation. And if you're going to invest in that, you have to be you know do your due diligence. You have to be willing to wait for the return. Correct? It's exactly right. And uh, you know is. Um Sometimes I has been mentioning to some of the people that I I work with, or uh, even I I used to to teach in, in one university, that um, if when you are going to invest in something, think like you are investing your own money. Uh, anyway, you are in a in, in a corporation or a, an investment team. If you want to invest your own money in something, the very first thing that you do is to start researching where you want to put your money. And it's the due diligence that you are mentioning. And the due right. diligence has to be so complete that all the different areas have to be put in, in consideration. It doesn't mean that uh, uh, the investment maybe is not as good as you were expecting, but uh, you have to do your homework. In that way, at least you are sure that uh, the different uh, drivers that you took in consideration were analyze it, and you can correct whatever is happening during the process to try to get the maximum uh, benefit from, from your investment. Well, you know, Hugo, we are kind of going up the ladder to global, looking at large frame, large scale innovations, and I hope we will have a chance to talk more about this, if not on this program, on uh, another program where you're a guest, because the uh, Whole, uh, you know, as you were describing that, you know, being, you know, being predictive almost, looking ahead. Uh, I thought of a relay team where not a single individual is expected to run the whole race, but they're expected to pass off that baton. And I, is there, is are there any similarities between that? I mean, can you be an investor for the first part of it and not the second part of it? But you have to see the, you know, where it's going. I mean, the second person that you hand it off to to kind of build on what you've built. I mean, obviously Google did. They bought the, you know, they weren't the first people to take the idea or the Internet isn't the, you know, the people who use the Internet aren't the people who created ARPANET in this country, you know, through DOD and funding. So well, is that hard to have a look at it? It's fragmented in a way? Yes, I, I, and actually you also have to locate yourself in what place the technology is located when you want to make some investment or some kind of businesses. Uh, mm -hmm. If you are an innovator in the technology arena and you have something unique, of course, you are paying the, the price of the first one, and, of course, the investment is even higher. But uh, if you get something that really uh, is adding value, you will get the highest benefit possible. When you are in a different part of the curve, you, you are already in the commercialization process or something that was already in the market. And uh, you have then to find out the competitive advantage. You are providing that technology in areas where it's going to be the very first one. Uh, 
or you are getting the knowledge that uh, is not in that particular location that is the value that you are providing or mm-hmm. is uh, even uh, more basic. is something that you know has been working pretty well in somewhere else, but uh, for some key technical issues, it's not working as well as you were expecting in that particular area. So you are proposing that your value is going to be to improve whatever is happening there just to to put in place a good technology process. So it's depending in what area of the curve you are located. Google, you know, is a really great innovator, innovators guy. Uh, mm-hmm. They are actually, it's amazing. Uh, we all know Google as a IT company, but uh, they have been investing in one of our uh, solar uh, generation plants. And you see, what an IT company is putting money for something that is basically uh, renewable generation power. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's amazing how they are thinking really in the future to see mm-hmm. how they can connect wh- whatever they already have in technology with mm-hmm. the power that they need for that technology, with the need that the society will request maybe five years from now. So Five years this, from now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, speaking of Google, um, and I, I, I want to get back to some basic things for our, our today's entrepreneur as a business and how they get started going into an area. But this idea of a concept of, of strategically planning and strategically looking, I was at a SEM conference this weekend, and there was a representative from Google, you know, one of their chief visionaries, et cetera. And I was surprised to hear her say that Google only plans like 16 months in advance. <laughs> Because of how quickly things change, is that is that consistent with what you've heard? You know, in terms of these long, long-term strategic planning that companies used to do, they can't they can't do that because you know the rapidity of of change at every level uh, who are in business now and or whose job specifically is international marketing, international development, have asked uh, us for you know. A program on, and that is how do you how do you set up how do you set up and start a an, an international marketing effort? What are some of the issues that you need to be uh, aware of? What are some of the people who are some of the people? And you have a, a very impressive uh, uh, knowledge, very impressive knowledge of the differences in country to country in the Americas. It's not like one great single. Uh, playbook that everybody's following, that there are nuances and differences and things that you have to do. So you've, you've, had, you've seen American businesses move into the, the markets, and, and so you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And also, just so our listeners know, even though you were educated in, what, are, are you Venezuelan or Argentinian? I'm Venezuelan, yes. Venezuelan. And you before uh, in earlier career you went spent 18 years in the oil industry in the Venezuelan oil industry which is always high profile you never know what's going to happen in that industry apparently uh, but you have uh, and you went to under you went to undergrad in Venezuela but you graduate and two graduate degrees from the University of Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's right. So you you are well versed in in a variety of cultures uh, as well as business practices. So what's the first thing you would tell 
in general tell people who are are they either are or are considering uh, branching into international sales and marketing? Well, um, if we focus on the Americas, we have to understand that anyway, uh, most of the Latin and Central American countries speak Spanish. Their cultures are different. Their uh, laws are different. Their regulations are different. Their sizes are different and their economical situation are different. Um, we have a, a monster like Brazil where, um, of course, uh, we have to understand what kind of businesses we want to, to execute there. And I think that the very first thing that we have to do, and is key, as we mentioned at the very beginning, was a really nice, a very good organized due diligence. I see the due diligence is something that really uh, will help us to guide our efforts to have the right strategy in country. The due diligence, um, due diligence, due diligence is, okay. is key. And uh, we have to be honest about also our due diligence because uh, uh, some people think that doing our homework as a due diligence from using data from Internet or finding out some books is, is enough. And uh, the reality is that a really good due diligence has to be executed in country. Is we we can afford an investment where we can be located in the place or the places that we selected as a candidates to put our businesses. The the the, the big the biggest value that we can get from our due diligence is executing those due diligence the due diligence in place, connecting with the right. Uh, um, academy, academia uh, institutions with the right uh, uh, boards of businesses or commerce businesses, Th that kind of places where you can see the, the real movement of information regarding economics, regarding technology, regarding the, the political side of, the, of, of each one of those countries. And when we mm -hmm. are working on our due diligence, we have to be sure that we include not just the technological side of the information, also the needs, the, the social requirements, the political situation, the, 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 the cultural that is embedded in each one of the places where we are located. Actually, Can you yeah. give us an example for, uh, yes. uh, of that? Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I had the chance, for example, to execute some due diligence some years ago in Brazil and Argentina. It was amazing how in Brazil, just changing cities, the cultural and the situation were different. It's like to think about North America, if you are located in the Virginia area, it's different maybe if you go to Detroit right now. And anyway, we are in the same country. Uh, we are facing different realities, different situations, and your business process has to be different. Hmm. If, um, if you, anyway, you are in, in, in Brazil, and uh, you are also thinking about Argentina that is next to Brazil, the, cultural, the culture is, total, is totally different, the language is different, the economical situation is different, and the needs that uh, the Argentinian uh, market has is completely different from the Brazilian market. And if you mm -hmm. move to another place that um, I, I, I had the honor to live for four years, that is Chile, 
next to mm -hmm. Argentina, Chile is anyway they speak the same language. The economical situation is different. The political situation is completely different. And even the way that uh, the Chilean government is looking for external investment is different from the Argentinian position. So, but now, if you go, Freeze, one second. If you go into a country, and let's say you're in Patagonia, which is like Detroit is to Virginia, is it significantly different from one one state to another, or is it just uh, country to country that's significantly different? Well, is you're in Brazil, is different from city to city, uh, state by state. Maybe in Chile is kind of the same situation in the whole country. Argentina maybe is that they got key places, but in the majority of the, the, the big uh, countries, uh, Spanish speakers, uh, the capital is, is the place where you have to focus yourself. You got a different example, for example, with Mexico. You got in Mexico's, uh, Mexico City by itself is a huge market, but uh, you have a Monterrey that is a really technological place. So you have to define very well what kind of business you want to really get into your portfolio. Uh, but you maybe, still have to connect with the state or the federal or the top exactly level right. offices, right? Okay. Exactly, exactly right. And, uh, of course, mm -hmm. it's also depending on what kind of value you want to provide to those markets. If, mm -hmm. uh, if um, we're thinking about that you are more innovator and your product is something new, that you know is can really change uh, the way that people uh, work, interact. M maybe you mm -hmm. will need them a, a really a, a, a place with with a, a lot of uh, different businesses, a, a big place. Mm -hmm. If you are just trying to implement something that is already well known, but but for different reasons, the technology is is not well implemented in those particular places, well, then you have to find out maybe small cities, uh, um, uh, states where with not too much income, where you can add value and get, of course, a good uh, business case for your product or your services. So it depends what you are looking for. So what? So if you could come in as a, a small business and you could have you could come in as a CEO or you could have your, your person responsible for international business come into the capital of, of Chile and make the whatever those right connections are to find to do due diligence and to find out what they need to do business, et cetera. Or you could uh, decide to license your product and service to the, somebody who's already in country, who's a who has a country there, uh, has, a, has a company already there, or once you do due diligence, are there numbers of different ways to to bring your product into market that are more, more, um, more uh, what is the word I'm looking for, more in alignment with all the cultural and political and economic issues that are in that country? Exactly. Let me keep providing you some examples. Okay. Uh, Brazil, Brazil is a country that protects their own industry. So um, the regulations and the tax law is really uh, hard for a foreigner to get into, make money, and get those money 
out of the country. What they are looking for is to generate value in country and to keep investing uh, those benefits in country. So mm -hmm. my recommendation for anyone that gets really uh, uh, something to offer to Brazil is to get a joint venture with a local company where the local company can provide, you know, the market can provide the connections, can provide uh, the, the knowledge of the, 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 the local regulations and law. And uh, the, the external one can provide the, the, the product or the service that uh, uh, after a due diligence shows that uh, it's going to create value to the market where it's involved. In other cases, uh, I got another example in Mexico. Uh, this is a small telecommunications company knowing that uh, in this small town, the internet service was not as good as uh, was expected. And after analyzing the situation, they recognized that uh, it was really hard to get the right uh, communication, co technical communication process in town because of the distance, because of the, of the lack of a, a good business case for a huge telecommunications company. So uh, mm -hmm. this small company create their own uh, telecommunications, local telecommunication process using a well-known technology that provide an excellent uh, internet service access to this small population. So, of mm -hmm. course, they were able to provide something that was a mature technology with the quality that uh, the locals were expecting, and they were able to make good benefits because, of course, uh, something that the population was expecting and the big companies were not able to provide was provided for these small companies and, uh, mm -hmm. and getting, you know, all the different customers that, um, the, um, that this small town can provide. Mm. So the so in that case the decision was to uh, open a, open a business in that in that area that addressed a special need in that market. But who provided the product? Was it a local company or was it a foreign company? Well, in this case, uh, it was a joint venture between uh, a small company in the the United States. Uh, with, okay, uh, with the local uh, company, a small local company that mm -hmm. uh, was the one providing the needs. So uh, okay. it, it, and actually right now, they are just focusing in a small village around that specific uh, Mexican state, providing uh -huh. these telecommunication services, just offering uh, internet access in, in the right velocity with the right price. And so Call my attention. Um, I mean, what was the? Well, I mean, you don't have to tell me the name of it, but a, what was the American company's line of business, and how did they identify an, that? It was another. It's another personal company. Is a is a is a friend of mine located in in, in Atlanta, Georgia. That uh, uh -huh. he's an expert in telecommunications, so he created his own company in in Atlanta, and uh, uh -huh. what he was what he did was uh, to find out in the market, in the American market the right equipment in order to be implementing installed in this Mexico uh, village for providing the right internet access. Ah, 
So he, in a way, is a reseller of other American-made products to this Mexican village, and the the implementation of the project was handled by a, a local national company. That's right, exactly. But how did he identify the opportunity in the first place? Well, um, networking. What happened Network. was that uh, his wife uh, is um, born in this village. And, uh, <laughs> of course, his wife got the right connection, and uh, somebody from the village was coming, was mentioning the need for this kind of uh, technology. Uh-huh. And this guy, a technology expert in telecommunications, was able to create, you know, the solution for that particular market. And now they are extending that market to different uh, villages in the same area. Interesting. So in that case example, uh, it was serving an American company who actually he was American, is an American company, but he happened to be married married to a Mexican woman who had connections in this village. So folks, no matter where you are, it's networking, it's important, uh, correct? And what about the option of, you know, a lot of companies, I, I used to do some work for um, in, uh, ComSat and uh, Scientific Atlanta, which, you know, international. And one of the marketing decisions for those companies was to find somebody who was native to wherever their market was and hire that person to market their products right to the right to that sector. Um, is that a common way as well for small businesses to get into a foreign market to hire somebody to represent them in that market? Yes, but um, you you have to be careful about it. Um, I had this experience years ago. I also uh, used to live in, in Argentina representing an American company. And uh, I had the opportunity to interview different local chief executive officers. And I do remember once when uh, uh, this chief executive officer for an important energy company, after mm-hmm. listening my my explanation and my catalog of services, uh, told me, how come a Venezuelan is offering me American products? Of course, I, I I didn't feel myself good, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, what I said was, uh, well, I was expecting that my nationality was not really important, but uh, I am offering products that we do believe add value to your corporation. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. I'm Venezuelan or not. But uh, mm-hmm. let me tell you, if you want me to bring 10, 20 Americans to explain the same stuff, I can do it. I have no problem. So it's, it's also a cultural situation that you have to recognize when is the right moment to put in place a, a local from the particular place where you are, you are looking for mm-hmm. businesses or you are really looking for uh, bringing the knowledge of the people, whatever those peoples are located. Mm-hmm. So... Um, is something that maybe you have to include in your diligence depending on the technology mm-hmm. that you are offering or depending on the service that you want mm-hmm. you want to provide you want to provide right. let me ask you this hugo uh because we we're about out of time for this conversation as i said earlier i surely hope you'll come back and join some others uh that we're going to be having 
But if you are a company in rural America uh, or any place in America and you're considering uh, expanding into an overseas market, where where is the first place you would suggest that people look without having to get on a plane and go to Venezuela or Argentina? Are there places local in the local communities or in the states where you can have that first line of, of um, knowledge access, not just our federal government, we'll have more programs on that as well, because our Department of Commerce, International Trade, or, or, and this, at the state level and the federal level are just very eager to provide support. But if you want to kind of get to know people, is it going to embassy events? Is it what trade shows? What, what would you suggest people do? Well, you know, living here in North Virginia, is, is well, a yeah, well, key advantage for for, right. for for us. I mean, being so close to, to the D.C. area with all the different embassies and consulates, you know, providing these trading shows, these commerce chambers, all these different organizations are an excellent, but an excellent source of information. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's important to keep doing our homework. Uh, they are selling their product. They are selling their country. They are selling their town. They are selling their culture. But uh, as a salespeople, uh, they are offering the best of the best. And we all know that uh, no place is perfect. You know, some mm-hmm. are better than others, depending, of course, of the, the the kind of activity that you want to to, to execute. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have seen things that I'm really pleased, like this Pacific. Uh, agreement where Colombia, uh, Peru, Chile, and Mexico are joining efforts, and they have some other countries as members looking for the Pacific. And I have seen how the United States is looking for that agreement to try to join efforts, taking in consideration that, as you know, we got uh, this NAFTA agreement where Canada is United States and Mexico are members. So I I think that we have to take advantage of that kind of activities, knowing that those countries are focusing on that kind of, of um, way to do businesses, to knock mm. the door of the different consulates and mm. chambers, department here in, 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 in D.C., in to see what they are doing about it and to start analyzing because they got very good data to see how, for example, uh, Peru is looking to be uh, the huge manufacturer for IT in the region, mm-hmm. how Chile wants to, to become a technological center for applications, mm-hmm. how Mexico is, open, is changing their energy uh, law to allow uh, international investment in that particular area that in the past mm-hmm. was just reserved to, to the locals. Mm-hmm. How come Colombia is becoming really strong because of this strategic position in, 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 in Latin America for the connection mm-hmm. to the south and to the north and to the Pacific? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then to decide, depending, of course, of your service or product, where to locate yourself in one of these countries that will be open, it will represent an op- an door opens in other countries and at the same time to the Pacific. So yeah, I, I think but that still, we should analyze those think, kind of stuff. 
Yeah, but in order to get to that the, that kind of data, uh, there this kind of data, you have to go to the uh, you know to the various countries or to the various embassies and research, right? I mean, you you don't you know it's not like you automatically know about these various trade agreements and and needs, and so you you can find out how to research that, and and our trade associations can certainly help you do that. But then. Do you also do these? Uh, for example, Maryland just had a trade uh, uh, a trade group go to Brazil to look at opportunities for for you know markets there, and they came back very excited. But I don't know <laughs> over what. Uh, but they somebody had to have found out that there were some potential opportunities there, and yes. want to go and do a front front you know front. If, if, if you are serious about your intentions, the process is to start analyzing the different options using the local source of information, like the mm -hmm. Chamber of Commerce, consulates, and uh, business trade, and that kind of stuff. Right. So you get your first data, you start analyzing, and then you start mm -hmm. making a selection of your few candidates. Right. And once you focus on those few candidates, you have to organize the due diligence visiting mm -hmm. and contacting local people for the business or service that you want to provide. At that and level, then, do you need a higher consultant? Uh, once, once you have a pretty good idea that where do you want to be, so locally you can contact the consultant that you need and globally the same um, kind of support. Mm -hmm. Globally because... Of course, the local is going to provide you the local view, but you have to have the global view to be sure that your strategy is going to be well covered. Mm -hmm. We are out of time. I am so sorry because this is just getting warm. I'm really fascinating with it, fascinated with this. But I think we also need to look at different geographic areas uh, and industry sectors and uh, to really do kind of the next level analysis of international trade. Correct. That's right. And, uh, you know, uh, as uh, we start this conversation, uh, when somebody is coughing in China, in Chile, it's affecting somebody else. It's affecting somebody else. And <laughs> it's being able to be strategic and thinking about that. So if you manufacture widgets, you may not be the right person to do that strategic analysis. You need to hire somebody like Hugo, but Hugo's not available, folks, for hire. He works for a large company. But somebody <laughs> who really has that depth of knowledge. Um, what is for our final, my final question to you in wrapping this up, folks, you've been listening to Hugo Vasquez, who is the Senior uh, Director, uh, VP of Strategic IT Solution, Global Solutions for A, is it ACOM, A-E-C-O-M, ECOM, ACOM? A -A -A AES, AES Corporation. And uh, so I am going to ask this last question of you. What is the worst thing somebody could do in, in starting a, trying to start a business in a foreign country? The, if you, as I have been mentioned, if you don't do your homework, if you subestimate uh, the local competition and order foreign competition that can be in, in town, uh, maybe you will have not a good surprise once you start your business down there. 
Uh, I think that uh, it's important to complete our homeworks. I think it's important to to understand the local cultures, the local economies, the local um, political situations and, and, and regulations, in order to be sure that uh, you um, you are going to succeed in your business. And of course, mm-hmm. the key element the key element is that whatever we are doing, we have to keep in mind that we are adding value to our customers because it's the best way to have a long-term business in place, mm-hmm. adding value to, to our customers. Our customers. Very good. Well, I think I want to start this next program off with the ending of this one because it is the wisdom learned from somebody who has not only many, many years' experience in international global business, uh, culturally tuned in and exceptionally uh aware of all the issues that one needs to consider. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we uh, we hope, listeners, you have enjoyed this as much as I have, and we hope you join us again. 